it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. Hi everyone, Cecile Ahrens here. Welcome back to Get Mental Podcast. As always, I hope you all are hanging in there and taking care of your mental health. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I know your time is very important and so I appreciate you um, tuning in. Today's topic is on the subject of emotionally immature parents or emotionally immature parenting. And why am I talking about this today? Because it is something that is so prevalent and I think often overlooked and minimized really the damage of it and the impact of it is often minimized um, because of just a lack of education around it but the the truth of the matter is emotionally immature parenting is very damaging has long-lasting effects and can be very traumatic so the recovery from it can be just very confusing difficult and um challenging. So that's why I want to focus on this to help people learn about what it is, recognize the signs, and give you some tips that might help move you out of this this dysfunctional relational pattern. Just ways to empower you and ways to start taking small steps towards healing. Okay, so emotionally immature parents tend to have a number of very disturbing (laughs) characteristics. And of course, as you know, when you're around it, especially as a child, you don't have the words for it. You don't know what's going on. You don't know that this is emotional immaturity, right? Like our parents have so much power and influence over us. Um, So you don't you can't really make sense of it then and and even now if you're an adult child of emotionally immature parents you're still probably still struggling to make sense of it so here are some of kind of the 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 characteristics um that they may possess they're usually very controlling critical not very understanding or supportive of your needs They can be self-centered. They can be insensitive to your feelings and your experience. They tend to not be attuned to your needs. They tend to be attention-seeking. They tend to be demanding, have poor boundaries, poor accountability, poor planning. Um, They tend to be very disorganized, not very future-oriented, meaning they're not really planning for the future all that much. Um, They can be very dysregulated, impulsive, manipulative. They can end up um, guilt-tripping you. They can be defensive, 
they might have difficulties relating to you and being emotionally intimate with you and nurturing and you know loving there's a certain superficiality in the interactions with them they can be rigid and cooperative punishing that's a big one i see that all the time there's a certain level of emotional punishment and guilt tripping that happens in these dynamics they can be unreasonable and they can also um have a hard time really respecting who you are as a person and respecting your individuality and celebrating your own unique talents and gifts okay which to me is really one of the most sacred jobs of a sacred job of a parent you know is to be able to celebrate and honor and enhance who this child is there's a book i want to share before i go any further um if if you want to really dive into the subject more and it's called adult children of emotionally immature parents and the author is Dr. Lindsay Gibson. And she's kind of one of the, the top experts in this field. And one of the ways that she describes emotionally immature parents are they're distant, they're rejecting, and they're self-involved, which is, you know, I think a nice way to summarize um, kind of all those things that I just named or, or outlined. So... There's a lot of characteristics that um, characterize these types of uh, parents. And, you know, I'm always really careful to, uh, to, to give you guys blanket statements about, about people or about mental health patterns. What we're looking for here is exactly that, a pattern. So if your parent is, you know, exhibiting two or three of those things that I mentioned, I'm not suggesting that they're automatically, you know, damaging to you and traumatizing and abusing you. You really have to look at it as a pattern and kind of the impact that it's having on you or it's had on you. That's what I want you to focus on, okay? And to really start to understand that this is not your fault. This is not your fault. They're parenting you based most likely on the way that they were also parented. So there are generational kind of cycles of dysfunction and trauma that's being passed on over and over again. And that's why I'm so passionate about education and, and uh, you know, bringing science to the streets, so to speak, because that's really one of the ways we can be preventive. But back to you, if you are a child of somebody who, um, a parent uh, who is emotionally immature, the impact on you can be so pervasive and devastating. And I'm just going to name some of the possible things that you may be experiencing, okay? Loneliness, neglect, feeling neglected, confused, confliction, feeling angry and manipulated, feeling invisible or exploited, feeling helpless. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of learned helplessness that occurs 
when you're in these types of environments. Because, you know, think about it. You were powerless as a child. You really didn't have a whole lot of choice or options or resources. You didn't, you, you didn't even know exactly that what was happening was wrong, right? Um, you might be, you might end up having clinical depression, clinical anxiety disorders or um, conditions. This can definitely affect your future relationship functioning. You might have a hard time trusting people. You might have a hard time, you know, getting your needs met in healthy ways. You may not even know that you have needs or that you can have needs. You might have a hard time receiving um, love and support from others because you don't trust the kind of the consequence of that. You don't trust their agenda. Um, you might have problems with intimacy, um, occupational functioning, I would argue, would also be, could also be impacted, right? Because if you're feeling this way, oftentimes you're already having a lot of self-esteem issues, self-confidence, problems with self-trust, problems with speaking up, which all then can transfer over to your work life. Because how we function in life is usually how we function in, at work, and how we function at work is usually how we function in life, right? So there's that intersectionality between our personal and professional life. Equally important, you can have a like behavioral problems, you know, like look at your coping skills and how you've learned to survive these moments and these in, these interactions, you know, with a parent or with your parents. You may also have certain addictions. It may lead to a lot of codependency patterns. You may still be in that as we speak. No judgment, okay? Just look at that with loving kindness. It could also lead to just a lifetime of misery and powerlessness. What I often see is a cycle of guilt, anger, action, helplessness. Guilt, anger, action, helplessness. Okay, so you feel, you take action. You might take, have a, like push back a little or assert yourself or, you know, say something back to this person. Then you start to feel bad about that. Then you start to feel anger at yourself and at them and at the situation. And then you just start to feel helpless and give up, right? And so it just kind of, you're in this hamster wheel and it feels like you're never going to be able to get out of it. And sometimes people will feel so powerless and desperate about their situation that it, you could really believe that the only way out is when your parent dies, you know? And so sometimes, just to digress a little bit, some of my the people I support would say, you know, like, I feel so bad for saying that, for wishing that, that, you know, maybe in 10 years, you know, this will all be over because they might not be here anymore, right? Well, my answer to that is, it's not that you want them dead. It's that you want your pain to end. And the only 
way you think it's going to end is if one of you dies, which is really a reflection of the level of stuckness and helplessness that you're feeling. And I'm here to tell you those feelings belong. I get it, right? Because there are also cultural and spiritual factors that lead to this guilt, anger, helplessness cycle. For those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm Filipino-American. So there's a lot of cultural uh, pressures placed upon us um, to to respect our elders, to take care of people, to be kind, to be altruistic, to be all sorts of those things, which are beautiful traits. But, you know, in that type of upbringing, what gets lost is individuality and healthy boundaries. And then um, that just becomes a way of life, right? Until you become more conscious or, or you feel shitty enough that you're like, I, I need to make some changes. So I'm here to tell you that there's a way to still balance all those values that you have and still be kind and loving and also have boundaries. You can have both, believe it or not. Depending on where you are in this spectrum of change, you might feel like this is really like impossible. You might have given up already, but I'm here to challenge you and invite you to just take a small step towards it. Whether that's, you know, saying no to a specific type of dish, right? Um, whether that's saying no to, you know, not staying as long as you normally would have at a party, right? Like, think of small ways you can start to tighten it up a little bit, tighten the ship up a little bit, Um Reduce the amount of exposure. Be mindful about what you're saying yes to. Maybe say no sometimes when it, when it feels, you know, on things that feel safe, right? And where it feels like manageable. You know, you're going to have to take some risks. But you don't have to do this alone, right? If you have people in your life who are healthy enough, talk to them about it. Bounce it off of them. If that's not, you know, your world, if you don't have those kinds of support systems, please consider professional help. Therapists are really good at helping people with this stuff. Of course, every case, you know, is not going to be the same. Um, some might be harder than others, but, but there is a way, okay? And if you really are because part of the conflict that I hear a lot is love. I love my, I love this person and I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, that's beautiful. But loving somebody doesn't mean not loving yourself, right? And it doesn't mean putting your needs first all the time. There are certainly times in a relationship where you don't and can't and shouldn't put your needs first. But with emotionally immature parenting, it is so lopsided that it's really dysfunctional, damaging, and destructive. And you think you're doing them a favor, but in reality, you're not. You're just enabling, right? And you're just trying to survive that moment. 
and they're not stretching. They're not doing the work they need to do. They're not growing. They're not learning. Not that that's your job. That's not your responsibility to do. But if what's keeping you stuck or part of what's keeping you stuck is this love that you feel for that person and not wanting to hurt them in the long run, philosophically, you're really, you're not helping them. You are also hurting them because you're perpetuating their pattern, right? Because I'm sure they're not just doing it to you. Usually, this is a generalized pattern um, with people who are emotionally immature. You know, it might come out more in the home because that's kind of like the safest place, so to speak, but it probably comes out, you know, manifests at work, social interactions, and there's extreme cases of it, right? People throwing tantrums on an airplane, um, <laughs> road rage, you know, all the way to just very dis damaging, destructive, violent behaviors. We could argue that that's all part of this continuum of emotional immaturity, right? I, I'm not getting my way. I'm not getting my needs met it's not going the way that i want therefore i'm going to act out and acting out means you know a number of those characteristics i talked about they can either punish you or criticize you or make fun of you or ignore you so those are all really hurtful and painful to say the least Another way to think about immature parenting is think of a child, right? How do children react? There's a certain level of dysregulation and impulsivity and self-centeredness in children, which is developmentally appropriate. At that point of, the develop, of our development, we are expected to kind of be that way, right? Until we get more skills hopefully some positive role models who can help us navigate our emotions and and give us proper coping skills but oftentimes when you're in this environment and you're on the receiving end of it you're obviously not getting that i mean you might have some protective relationships like an aunt or a grandma or something right or a teacher but you know, a lot of times you're going to find ways to cope with it. And, you know, what do we see? What do we see in children? They have behavioral problems, right? Drugs. Um, run, they run away. Some of these are extreme, you know. There's academic problems. And then on the flip side, you have kids who are overachieving, perfectionist, um, get very parentified very early on, meaning they start taking the role of a parent and start parenting their parent, right? So they kind of really miss out on their childhood. So there's a lot of reasons why I'm talking about this because if, if you're not aware that this is what's happening, any well-meaning parent can also still pass on some of these things to your own children if you have kids, right? But but even, you know, if you don't, if you don't want to have kids or you don't have kids, 
just the fact that what it's done to you and what it probably continues to do to you and how it still continues to affect your overall happiness and quality of life cannot be underestimated, cannot be underestimated. So what are some of the things that you can do, okay, to um, start to break the cycle for yourself? First of all, learn to acknowledge your experience. You may never get that kind of validation from an emotionally immature parent or partner or friends, right? But for the purpose of this talk is emotionally immature parenting. So acknowledge your experience. Give yourself permission to have needs. Give yourself permission to have needs. We all have them. And when our needs are persistently unmet, it damages our spirit, okay? outside of all the mental health and medical effects, it damages our spirit. That's when we really start to have a deep sense of loneliness and pain and helplessness and depression to the point of suicidal, suicidality. Okay. Start to set some healthy boundaries if you have the emotional bandwidth and you're emotionally ready enough to do that. And if you're not there yet, you know, see if there's there's ways you can learn about that. Okay? Just think about it. What are some small ways I can start to push back? I can start to say no. You don't you don't it doesn't have to be um big. Like I said, it could be just no, I don't want to eat that. No, I'm done. Yes, I'm going to go to the party, um, but I have to go after an hour because I have so-and-so-and-so, okay? Just start to really entertain that. So seek the support of healthy friends and family or a professional. You don't have to do this alone. As a matter of fact, you really can't do this alone. You need support in healing from this, in processing this, and then making sense of it and empowering yourself, okay? Get into your life. What do I mean by that? Start discovering or rediscovering who you are. What do you like? What kind of ice cream do you prefer, right? What movies do you want to see? You know, what's your favorite color? What's What sense do you like? I mean, those simple things just can really start to awaken your personhood again because a lot of times it gets diminished when you're in this kind of uh, parenting dynamic. Get into your life. Start to honor your preferences, okay? Get into your body. When all else fails, get into your body. What do I mean by that? Go for a walk, stretch, breathe. Get into nature. Run. Be still. Why? Because moving your energy, move your energy can really help um, not only ground you, but again, to go inside, to 
to start having a real connection with your body, which can lead to a connection with your emotional world. Okay? Be selective about what you're saying yes to. Be selective about the conversations you're engaging in. Unhook. Unhook as much as you can. I, 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 I really try to um, help my clients, the people I support, learn how to do that. Okay, Sometimes that means not responding. Sometimes that means responding in a very specific broken record way. You know, and sometimes that means saying ouch when something hurts and having boundaries. So there's there's different things that we can help you with to really kind of help you practice some of these skills. But before you, you know, my experience is before people want to take action, you, you, you just, you need the space to be able to unpack your thoughts and feelings about about the whole thing and about why it's hard to take action. So, but in moments where you can, unhook. The The author of the book I told you about, Dr. Lindsay uh, Gibson, she talks about managing your parents versus engaging with your parents. And I really like that um, kind of simplistic way of approaching it because oftentimes that's really what you're doing is you have to learn to manage them because they're, you know, they're, they're in a different reality and they're not wanting to change, right? And they're not in a place to really hear you. So sometimes it's better to unhook, like I said, which is, you know, a form of managing them versus engaging because the, even under the best of circumstances, even if you're using all the healthy coping skills, it doesn't mean you're going to get through to them. And sometimes you may, you'll always be wrong. Okay. And sometimes you're never going to get the approval or the validation. And that's probably one of the most hurtful things about that, this dynamic is that the hope, right? You have to give up this hope that you're going to get a certain level of understanding or approval or validation. I'm afraid for some of you that day may never come. And it's not because you did something wrong. It's because they're emotionally immature and it's bigger than you. It's like being with an abusive partner, right? A lot of times, survivors of domestic violence will try all sorts of things to please their partner, to prevent abuse, to prevent escalation, just to realize that they really can't prevent it, that there's nothing they can do because abusers are irrational and they can make a benign situation a trigger and a reason for why they're upset with you. So it's really crazy making. So this idea of managing versus engaging is really key and important. So again, the message I want you guys to take away 
is it's not your fault. It is not your fault. You are not alone. You are not a bad daughter or son. You are surviving something really abusive, traumatic, neglectful, damaging, utterly destructive. You are not a bad person for having needs, setting boundaries, having limits, having preferences. And the answer isn't in you, isn't in you continuing to play small. It is not your job or responsibility to save or fix this relationship. Because healthy and truly supportive relationships are reciprocal. And if you're, you know, trying to, if, if guilt is one of the, the things that are really blocking you, speak to a professional about that because that's, that is usually a complex uh, phenomenon. Um, so again, it's not your fault. You're not alone. You're not going crazy. It's not your job or responsibility alone to save or fix this relationship. You're not a bad person for having needs, for being you, for saying no, for having preferences. And I'm just so, so sorry that you know, this, this, that this experience has happened, um, and continues to happen for some of you, perhaps. So I hope that this is helpful. Again, if you want to dive into this, um, there are a lot of resources, but check out Dr. Lindsay Gibson's book for some more, um, enlightening and insightful tips and yeah just just know that your change process is your change process so this might not be the time that you want to act on this and that's okay too right but you wouldn't be listening to this if there wasn't a little bit at least a little bit of you that is wanting, wanting something better for yourself. And I am here to tell you that this pattern can be broken. You can be on the other side of it, but it will take time and commitment. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Like I always say, be well, be gentle, get mental, because we all have issues. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. Don't